Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space in West Limerick 102. My name is John Keeley. I've still got Shane on the other end of the telephone. What we decided to do this morning is because, as you probably are aware, we had a few little problems early on this year and the, and the end of last year in terms of programs that we planned to go out and didn't go out and so on and so forth. One of those that didn't go out actually on the on, on our blog, uh, we believe it went out on the radio, it was an interview that I conducted early on last summer with some people in Peterborough Cathedral telling us all about Catherine of Aragon. So we decided to play that this morning. Once, once that's finished, I'm going to play a little bit of music, and the little bit of music that I'm going to play is its Signatures by John Michael Talbot. And this one is, is from Signatures, it's from the album Signatures by John Michael Talbot. It's entitled Come and Worship the Lord. But in the meantime, listen to about 20 odd minutes of an interview that I conducted early on junior in Peterborough Cathedral telling us a little bit about Catherine of Aragon. So let's do this. Space, um, my name is John Keeley, and just to let people know every now and again, they let me out of Limerick, they let me out of Ireland. Um, my dear lady wife Anne, whom you all know, was very interested in Catherine of Queen of England, Catherine of Aragon, as she's known, she was the first wife of King Henry VIII. After a little bit of googling, we found out that there was some connection with Peterborough Cathedral here in England. So, what would we do? But just hop on a plane, come over and visit. And I'm delighted to welcome onto the program this morning someone who's going to explain a little bit more about it. Welcome onto the program, Canon Jonathan Baker. Good morning to you. Good morning, John. Thank you very much, Neil, for taking the time this morning. I must say, and, and entering this cathedral this morning, the first thing that struck both myself and my wife was the sense of a living church. It's so nice to walk into a cathedral that's not just a structure. People are sometimes surprised to discover what a busy place Peterborough Cathedral is. Um, it particularly strikes new members of staff who think that yes. they might have come for a nice relaxing job and Don't suddenly discover they're run off their feet and yes. they're pressed into doing all sorts of things they didn't necessarily expect. It is a living church. It's the centre of a very active diocese. Uh, it's the centre of a multicultural city. Um, so we find ourselves engaged with a lot that's going on in the world around us. And I believe this year, uh, specifically, or, or in a few years' time, you, 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 you celebrate um, a large historical, a big we historical do. event. We do. It's in 2018 um, when we celebrate the 900th anniversary of the beginning of building of the present structure in 1118. Um, although, actually, the present structure is the third um, abbey building on this site. So the original... Uh, the the original foundation mm -hmm. was in the year 654, um, and uh, it, it was uh, uh, part of a marriage alliance between the, uh, the old pagan kingdom of Mercia, which mm -hmm. is the middle region of England, and the Christian kingdom of Northumbria. Um, and because the Northumbrians were the, were the powerful people in those days, the, the, the Mercians wanted to keep in with them, they made a marriage alliance, and part of the deal was the Prince of Mercia had to be baptised, and his new bride brought with her four Northumbrian priests who founded a monastery in Peterborough, which was the royal centre of the Kingdom of the Middle Angles in those days. And so it was part of the process of Christianisation in England in mm -hmm. the 7th century. Um, what happened here was replicated all over the country uh, as, as these old pagan kingdoms were, were converted. 
And continuing around from there, um, that lasted just a few hundred years, and then there was a second? The, the original monastery mm-hmm. was destroyed by the Vikings around about the year 870, mm-hmm. um, and wasn't refounded then until the late 10th century, when Bishop Ethelwold from Winchester uh, came here, and again, part of a national program of renewal and the refounding of ancient monasteries. Um, he refounded Peterborough with royal help, um, that brought with it a significant amount of, of endowment of land, um, mm. and, uh, and the monastery was rebuilt then. Um, and the third building began in 1118, as I say, as a result of a fire. Um, and that gave the, the new Norman regime an excuse to rebuild on a grander scale. Okay. Is there a Benedictine uh, connection with it? The, yeah, there's a strong Benedictine connection. Mm-hmm. Um, when Ethel, Ethelwald um, refounded the abbey in the 10th century, that was explicitly bringing in the rule of St. Benedict. Um, and so through the, the, the great centuries of the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. um, uh, Peterborough was, was one of the big um, Benedictine abbeys. Um, and um, it, it was one of a group of very uh, powerful abbeys um, that, that, that spread the influence of the Benedictine order. And then, of course, when it came round to the time of the referendum uh, of the, the sort of refer- uh, the Reformation, um, certain churches um, changed their tones in terms of one of the things that I noticed when I came inside this church. Th- uh, there's a lot of stained glass windows, but there's a, some of them that don't, don't have as much stained glass mm. as I expected. We we suffered a lot of damage here mm. in Peterborough. Um, not so much at the Reformation itself, mm-hmm. but later during the English Civil War. Okay. Um, uh, Oliver Cromwell, whose name will be known to you, um, yes. uh, came from this region just down the road in Huntingdon. And there was a period when his soldiers were stationed here and they got out of control um, and smashed up um, most of the interior of the cathedral um, as it was then. Um, including Catherine of Aragon's tomb um, and, uh, and indeed the tomb of Mary, Queen of Scots, um, who, who was also buried here for a time. So now we come on to Catherine of Aragon. So can you tell us um, why, she, why she's buried here and, and maybe let the people know at home who in fact she was? Sure. Catherine of Aragon was the, the daughter of the uh, king of, um, of Castile and the queen of Aragon, mm-hmm. uh, which at that time was the, uh, uh, the biggest empire in, in Europe. So she was a, a Spanish royal princess um, fr- from, from the greatest royal house in Europe of the day. Um, and uh, she was married initially to Prince Arthur, who was king... Henry the Seventh's oldest son, okay. Prince of Wales. There's a connection. Uh, okay. Uh, now, unfortunately, Prince Arthur didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. He he died only a few months after the marriage. Um, and after a period of several years being stranded in England, poor old Catherine was left here um, whilst Henry the Seventh haggled with Ooh. King Ferdinand, her father, over the payment of the dowry. Okay. Um, but eventually, uh, after Henry the Seventh died, he was, of course, succeeded by the young Henry the Eighth, who had clearly taken a bit of a shine to Catherine. Okay. Um, and really the first thing he did following his coronation was he married Catherine of Aragon, which rather rescued her. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and they, were, they were married for um, over 20 years. Um, but it all ended rather unhappily um, 
Because Henry was a representative of the Tudor dynasty, mm -hmm. which was, was fairly new, it was only his father who'd seized the throne from Richard III, um, they were very insecure. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were terrified of uh, there being another civil war. You know, there'd been a lot of civil war in England over the, the, the future of the monarchy. And Henry VIII was terrified that if he didn't have a male heir, then civil war would break out again. And although he and Catherine had a number of uh, children, um, sadly many of them were either stillborn um, or the only surviving um, legitimate uh, child was, uh, was a girl, Mary. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and this caused uh, Henry a problem. He thought perhaps that God had passed judgment on his marriage because he had married his, uh, his brother's wife. Yes. Um, and um, there are various verses in the yes. Bible that might um, conveniently uh, come might, to his might, aid. Might cast doubt mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, there are other verses that say the opposite. So yes. uh, the interpretation is a little bit tricky there. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was also this this flighty young thing, um, Anne Boleyn, uh -huh. at court, who caught his eye. Uh -huh. And uh, to cut a long story short, he tried to get the Pope to annul the marriage. Um, the Pope, who might have been sympathetic, um, in the end refused, not least because he had the Holy Roman Emperor uh, as army in Rome mm -hmm. at the time, um, who happened to be Catherine's nephew. Uh, so the Pope was in an awkward situation mm -hmm. there. Um, he refused to grant an annulment. And so uh, in the end, Henry decided to reject the authority of Rome. He declared himself to be head of the church in England. Uh, and then was able to grant himself a divorce so that he was free to marry Anne Boleyn. Mm -hmm. Poor Catherine, Poor Catherine. Mm. was immediately banished from court, and she lived at a succession of English country houses, um, ending up at Kimbolton Castle, which is a village, oh, I don't know, about 20 miles from here, okay. um, further south. Um, and really she lived in a, in a, in a state of... Um, rather poverty-stricken exile in this drafty country house um, until she died in early 1536. Um, Henry didn't want a funeral in London mm -hmm. where she could become a focus for opposition. Yes. Certainly Anne Boleyn didn't want her anywhere near London. Mm -hmm. um, and so she came to Peterborough to be buried because it was the nearest great church. Okay. So okay. it was a place that was appropriate for someone of royal dignity um, but it was sufficiently obscure not to attract any attention. And I think I read somewhere uh, at a funeral, was there about two or three hundred people there in Canton? Yeah, it was a big funeral, mm. um, hundreds of candles, um, a number of masses being said, mm -hmm. lots of dignitaries. Um, so uh, people did turn out for the for the funeral, and um, uh, and, and they did pay their respects, and it, and it lasted several days, and there were a number of bishops in attendance, mm -hmm. and, and uh, quite a big thing was made of it. But but the royal involvement was limited. It was limited, and I notice as we stand here by the grave, there's pomegranates here. Yes. What's the idea? Well, the pomegranate was um, the crest of Catherine's coat of arms. Uh -huh. If you look just above me, there's yes. a flag which was donated by the Spanish royal family in relatively okay. recent years. Okay. And just on the left-hand side, you'll see above all the castles and that. dragons and stripes see and things, you'll see yeah. a pomegranate. Lovely. Um, so that was Catherine's crest. And this tomb is... It's, it's a place of pilgrimage for many people. Um, there are folk who come here to pray... 
um, and often they leave little symbols of Catherine on the tomb. So there's a couple of pomegranates there, the Aragonese coloured ribbons um, tied to it. Um, uh, and uh, it is a place that, that people come still to, to pay their respects. And from a, from a Catholic perspective, um, I note that there's a cause, uh, somebody wants to start it off, I think from the United States, a cause to start off her uh, beatification. I believe there is uh, a movement for Catherine's beatification. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much momentum it's got behind it. Uh, yeah. um, Certainly one of the lovely things about her was that on her deathbed she wrote Henry a letter, Mm -hmm. which is a letter that's really very generous. Um, It's full of forgiveness to Mm -hmm, Henry for mm -hmm. the way he treated her. Um, And uh, she was undoubtedly a very pious woman, um, a prayerful woman, um, who, who in a sense saw herself suffering for her faith. Um, so uh, she, she, she is, a, in some ways, quite an ecumenical figure. Yes, uh, today. very much so. Um, and, um, uh, uh, and here in Peterborough Cathedral, on the anniversary of her funeral, at the end of January each year, mm-hmm. we have a Catherine of Aragon festival. Um, and uh, that in, involves a big civic service where we, we have representatives from the town hall, um, Representatives from the Spanish Embassy come okay. and, and lay a wreath um, because we're, we're twinned in Peterborough with Alcalá uh, near Madrid, which is where Catherine came from. Okay, okay, um, okay. And um, there's a big service for school children who come. Many dress up in Tudor costume. Lovely. And also we, we host um, a, a, a mass from the local Roman Catholic parish to who come. Very good. And so, therefore, I believe one of the quotations that I heard is that she's a great encouragement for women who probably have husbands who tend to look elsewhere from time to time. She's a great encouragement just to, just to keep the hope and keep the family idea going yes. all the time. Yes, yes. She, uh, she, she never recognized uh, the divorce. Mm. Um, and although after the divorce, Henry refused ever to refer to her as the queen, you'll see that on her tomb, she is actually designated Catherine, Queen of England. Yes. And indeed, mm. on that, in that deathbed letter that I referred to, although mm. it's full of forgiveness, she stands her ground and she signs herself off, mm. Catherine, the Queen. Very good. So she gets the last word. <laughs> She's there. getting the message through. And did you say that, that, that her daughter was also buried here at one particular stage? Uh, it wasn't her daughter. Mm. It was Mary, Queen of Scots, okay. um, who was a different branch of the, of the, um, the, the Tudor dynasty. Um, and uh, she, she had been Queen of Scotland, um, uh, b- but she became Queen of Scotland at a time when Protestantism was, was mm-hmm. on the rise there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the Scottish lords were all Protestants. Um, Mary had been brought up in France as, as a Roman Catholic, and she never really won the trust of the Protestant lords in Scotland. And mm-hmm. In the end, she was exiled, but she wasn't particularly welcome in England because she was a a dynastic threat to Elizabeth I. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And in the end, she was implicated in a plot against Elizabeth um, who ordered her execution, although seems to have regretted it immediately afterwards. Mm. Um, uh, And Mary was executed at Fotheringhay Castle, which is not far from Peterborough. So a little bit like Catherine, instead of having a big royal um, state funeral um, in London or anywhere else, uh, she came to Peterborough because it was the nearest big church uh, where she could be discreetly put away. 
And just to, just to finish off the interview, and thank you so much for, for sharing so much on, on Catherine, just to share a small bit maybe with the listeners back home. Um, this is a living church. So there are services within the cathedral. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Very much so. There's, there's a Eucharist every morning um, at half past seven, um, and during term time there's choral evensong every evening um, with the cathedral choir. Um, and all sorts of other services to um, less, less uh, not, not necessarily on a daily basis, but we, we have lunchtime services, we have um, uh, midweek communions um, <clears throat> during the day. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of worship going on here. And, of course, we host all the big diocesan events. Yes. Um, this coming weekend we've got two ordination services um, and there will be a, a couple of dozen uh, ordinands. Um, uh, to priesthood? Being, being, um, about half and half, some half being and deacon, half, some deacon. being priesthood. Okay. Um, okay. So there's one service on the Saturday and, and um, the deacons will, will be uh, deaconed on, on the Sunday morning. Um, so all of that's going on, and we have 60 or 70,000 visitors a year. Um, so we try to offer a ministry of hospitality to all of them as well. And all I can say to the folks back home, if you're ever around this part of England in Peterborough, please call in. Uh, they're a very f- friendly crowd. Uh, come in. It's a lovely living cathedral to see uh, some wonderful architecture, but also a place maybe where you can just take a few moments to pray. So maybe just to end the program this morning. Uh, maybe a little prayer of thanks, maybe from from uh, from Jonathan, mm-hmm. um, for the opportunity of us all being being here to witness Catherine of Aragon. Mm. Thank you, Lord God, our heavenly Father. We thank you for the life and witness of Catherine of Aragon. We thank you for her faithfulness to her God, and for her faithfulness to her husband. And we thank you for the reconciliation which can take place uh, around her resting place in this day and ask that she may continue to be an inspiration to us all through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Canon Jonathan, thank you so much for your time and best of luck for the future. God bless you. My thank pleasure. you. My Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Come, worship the Lord.
God, the great King o'er all the gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the highest mountains as well. Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.